0: Hello friends, I'm your host, Chris Thrull, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured, for better and sometimes worse, across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought t T-Shirt Podcast. Stapes, how are you brother? I'm alright mate, thanks for having me on. Yeah, oh, my... my... My pleasure. It's been brilliant I'm catching up with all these brothers that I've never met, and uh, can't argue with that, can you?
1: Yeah, I saw. I just saw uh, your podcast with uh, Josh Pelling earlier, but I've not had a chance to watch it yet. But I'm going to get into that one later.
0: Ah, oh, he's a he's a lovely man, you know.
1: Certainly is, mate. Yeah,
0: really lovely, and uh, he he's kind of epitomises that kind of elite special forces thing because. You know, a lot of them are just really nice guys that just want to be professional soldiers, isn't it, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, Josh, Josh's story is pretty, pretty compelling, really, isn't it? You know, coming from abroad, from uh, Canada, and then all the stuff he did, and then what he's gone through recently. But I'm looking forward to catching up on that episode, yeah.
0: Yeah. I found it really quite upsetting, really. Um, yeah. Because he's just so nice, and the way he talks about his accident... Yeah. Like, there's no... There's not even the slightest bit of feeling sorry for himself, N- no. nothing like that. And in no. a way, that's upsetting because it's like, like, fucking hell, you've been, th- oh. <laughs> but, you know, y- you've been through something like that. You- you're allowed to be a bit up, you know, you're allowed to feel sorry for yourself a little bit, but it- it's just, he's, he's, yeah. A I think he's got a strong mindset
1: on that kind of thing, because I suppose feeling sorry for himself wouldn't wouldn't help him in, in any way, i suppose, and uh, I think he realizes that, and he just
0: seems to be just pushing through it and looking for the opportunity. Mm, yeah, you're a very humble man, so you are you you've had a fascinating life, just a quick um a quick expose for our listeners and watchers, former Royal Marines commando. Served with the SFSG, so the Special Forces Support Group, been in Afghanistan, and now you—you you seem to have won every single martial arts title there is going. Uh, is it mixed? Mixed, just mixed, mixed martial arts? arts. Yeah, mixed
1: martial arts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've won a few. There's a few left to still win, but uh, yeah, it's going all right.
0: Yeah, my god. So, do you want to just run us through what disciplines you fight in and, and what kind of belts or what competitions you've entered and won?
1: Yeah, I mean, so, um, I, 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 I only at the moment I'm competing in mixed martial arts. Uh, obviously, it's, for those that don't follow mixed martial arts, it's a combination of all the effective martial arts. So, someone that's going to compete. Professionally, in mixed martial arts—you've got to be doing boxing, Thai boxing, wrestling, jujitsu. Um, you know, it's quite a big, it's quite quite a busy schedule to keep. Um, I, I've been fighting professionally for about thirteen years now, so you know I've had quite a few fights and fought in quite a few different countries and places, and I've, I've had a lot of great experiences doing mixed martial arts. I can i have got nothing to complain about. I've, I've loved every
2: minute of it. It's been a great experience for me.
0: How did you get? In, did you get into it before you joined the Royal Marines, or? Well, well I, I I was training before
1: I joined the Marines. I was doing uh, like boxing and tie boxing. I'd never done any grappling or anything like that, and I, I wasn't I wasn't like a, a good boxer or a good tie boxer. I, I just trained, you know. I had a couple of fights, but just trained. I really got into it while I was in the Marines. Uh, me and a friend of mine called Sage Stroud, we just started watching videos, of DVDs of the UFC and stuff. So we, we got some mats on. Uh, I think the first time we were on Galahad. Remember Galahad the little um, the little ship? I think we were on the way back from Senegal or Norway or somewhere, we bought some mats. Uh, well we found some mats and just took them on the flight deck, started practicing arm bars on each other and stuff and that's where it started. Yeah. Got back to England, found the gym, started training and
0: that's the story really. So Stapes, can you can you just tell us the thing about the ears? Because I, I watched that, was it called Gladiator? That series about mixed martial arts. Did you see it? It was set in in Los Angeles. It was a really good, um, I don't know what network it was on because I, well, let's just say I got hold of uh, the the series somehow. And, um, and uh, it was about these hardcore MMA fighters that all worked out of this gym. And it, it was just the real McCoy about the fighting, the losing, the weight. Uh, lots of it was about drugs. I don't know if that's a was just put in there for the program. Of whether that's a Los Angeles kind of or a California sort of thing. Um, and it was a really good series, but they all had the, the know, Yeah, the cauliflower ears. Is that is that from the wrestling? Is it? It's, uh, it's a fashion statement. I mean, you
1: get given one on your birthday. You get what? Sorry, you get given one on your birthday. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it's mainly from the wrestling. Uh, it's just friction where where you you took a lot of bangs on your ear and the cartilage splits, and then it will bleed into the space, and then obviously it causes like a
0: tumor yeah. inside your ear. Uh, it doesn't really affect me in any way apart from it hurts when I sleep. So, is it like a sort of badge of honour in in the fight game to show that you've had loads of fights or? I mean, I suppose people
1: who maybe don't train or have just started out would see it that way. I think people like myself and people who've been around the sport for years and stuff—it's just a just an everyday thing for us. Like, uh, but yeah, you know, you you see someone with big, dark, cauliflower ears—you know—they can do a bit of grappling. Usually, oh, they're a rugby player.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. So let's go back to um um. Let's go back to your time in the core then.
2: Why, why did you join up? Um, I think I'd have to go back before that really. I'd have to go back to school. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: When I was at school, I was not interested in the slightest in anything at school. You know, you, you couldn't get me to do any homework. You couldn't get me to take a pencil case to school. Like I went to school with... I, a bag, and if it was PE day, I'd have PE kit in it. If it wasn't PE day, I'd have nothing in it. I wouldn't take them. I had no school books, no pens, nothing. Not not because I wasn't giving them. I was giving them. I just wasn't interested. I just wouldn't do schoolwork. Mm. Uh, I always felt like I was going to do something else in my life, something that didn't uh, include academia or include any of the, the stuff I was learning at school. Mm. Now, before I move on, I don't want to say that that's the right attitude to have because that's clearly not what I want my children to have. I want them to work hard at school and get an education. Mm. I, but I just wasn't like that. I just couldn't get into school. I couldn't get. I'm I'm still like that now. If I don't if I don't enjoy something, I just I can't do it. I can't spend ten seconds on it. Mm. Um, so going through school, I, I have no interest whatsoever. And you know when you do them school third days where, where people are asking you what do you want to do when you leave school and this? I, I just had no answers because I just wasn't interested in them kind of things. I was just always looking for something that was challenging, uh, and something that would kind of make me a better person or teach me something as a person. And then
2: just as I was leaving
1: school, one of my best friends, Matthew Williams, he came to me and he was like, have you seen these guys, the Marines? And he started showing me videos and, and stuff of all the training that, the the Marines did and I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That is what I'm doing. Um and that was it really. That was literally it. it. was on my I mean my dad was always in the army. Uh he was in the army. He went to Northern Ireland and stuff uh, when I was a before I was born when I was a kid he was in the territorial army. So I always had that military background through the family. Um and then yeah when 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 Marty showed me the videos and stuff, I was just like, yeah, I'm joining the Marines man. them guys look
0: badass, you know stuff that was it did you um, did you have a stable childhood or did you have you know was it up and down
1: no I, you know, I had a very stable childhood me, 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 my parents were both excellent parents very close friends and parents to me now um, they, they did split up when I was a teenager but it didn't have any effect on me or anything like that it was um, it, I had a great childhood can't complain yeah, I had a great yeah. childhood obviously okay. Obviously, we didn't have a lot of money or anything like that, but who, you know, who cares? Uh, I, my mum and dad, amazing people, taught me some great stuff through my childhood. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and ju- just make trying to make um, see if there's any connection here. After after you left the forces, did you suffer at all? Any trauma? Any upheaval? Uh, Adapting to Civvy street? No, I think I was a. Uh, I
2: think I was quite lucky, to be honest, because. Well, maybe lucky's
1: is not the right word, but as I was leaving the Marines, I was already setting up the gym. So I didn't like leave and have a bit of downtime or space where I was kind of... And I think that is the problem sometimes when people have the struggles, because they leave without anything planned forward for them. And then they get out of the military and then they're sat there thinking, right, what do I do now? What do I do next? They, they try and find a purpose. I was quite lucky that I already had my purpose before I left the military. So when I left, it was kind of like my feet didn't hit the ground. They still haven't hit the ground. I've been out nearly eight years. I feel like I'm still in. I just have, we, we haven't stopped. This is, this lockdown is the longest I've ever had off work, you know, since, since I left the court. Um, so yeah, no, I, I've
2: never really struggled with anything um, transitioning to City Street. I have
1: had my frustrations with it. Because obviously it's not like the military, you know. In the military, there's a lot of schedule, there's a lot of routine. In the Royal Marines, particularly, yeah, and you'll know this. You can ask someone to do a job. You don't speak to them for two weeks. You go back, you know that job has been done to a hundred percent of that guy's ability, and it's going to be done, you know, to a standard that you've been asked for. And it's not quite the same once you leave. And that's not like a knock on anyone, but it's just that people have got different priorities or people have got different things going on in their life or they, they, they're ready to spend a different amount of energy on certain projects. Whereas in the Marines, it's like everyone's go, 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 you know. So there's, there's not, that that's the only kind of thing I struggled with. And that's not, that was my problem rather than anyone else's problem. That's my problem of adjusting to civilian street and maybe slowing the, slowing the pace down and such, yeah.
0: There's two things, mate, that really, you know, I wish would bit different. And they and they are definitely modern things like they've happened in the last sort of ten years. One of them is people that just don't reply to emails, right? It's normally professionals, normally celebrity celebrity sort of types who've who've got this, you know, for inquiries, use this email. And obviously they're busy. Well, I get that, but if you're giving someone the option to email you. You reply. It don't matter who they are. If there's some, you know, sixteen-year-old fan that's written to you, or whether it's a professional person like me who wants to engage because I want to come on your podcast or something, like have the decency to, you know, pay somebody to. You know, you got people like um, I'm not going to mention any names, but the, some of the top podcasters in the world just don't reply to their emails, and it's that's one thing that bugs me. <laughs> But the other thing is um it's this not saying sorry when when you've when you've made a mistake rather than say sorry you've just blamed someone else and it seems to be everywhere now. Um I don't remember that in the military. It's like if you if you screwed up, you had to own yeah. it and hold your hand up. There were a couple of instances where people didn't do that and things got a bit uh, you know. Not pleasant, can we say? But uh, this modern thing about you know you screw up in your job, not say you hold your history. hand up. You don't hold your hand up, and say look, I'm really sorry. You you blame someone else. It's just, gah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, on on those two particular things that you've mentioned there. I mean, the email one is is quite interesting. Me me personally, I I try to hide all my email addresses. Um, because I don't use email. So I don't, I try not to give people the option to email me. I'm just a technophobe in that way. I just, I'd rather, if people message me on Instagram or whatever, I'll try and get back to them as fast as I can. I'll always get back to everyone who sends me messages on Instagram or Facebook. It'll take a couple of days usually, because otherwise, you know, I'll only go on my inboxes every couple of days. I like to try and live my life in the present. So I'll only really go through my inboxes once or twice a week.
2: Um, the thing you were saying about like having ownership of what you're doing is or, or mistakes you made is a
1: massive one for me. I, I mean, anything you do, you try you should be trying your best. Yeah, if you if you if you say to someone you're gonna take on a task or do a task, do a job, whatever it is, in my opinion, when you when you take that on and you take the you know, you, you say, Yeah, I'm gonna do that, you're you're now accountable for getting that done. Mm. and you should be accountable for getting it done to the best of your ability. But we all make mistakes, don't we? And uh, like you say, when people are not taking ownership of their mistakes, that's when problems occur. Everyone makes a mistake, mate. And, and, you know, if you sit back and you say, sorry, I made a mess up, all good. That's one of the things that um, is kind of pushed in the Marines from day one, isn't it? It's like we never say to the recruits, they have to be the best or they have to get everything right. But we do say to him, you have to put hundred percent effort in at all
0: times, because that's all yeah. at the end of the day we can ask for. Yeah. You, you saw you saw my post, didn't you, about the bodybuilding? Was it... Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did. The size here. Yeah, I was pretty huge back in my uh, younger days. Um, yeah, I'm just um, Dave. Dave Radband, you know the, yeah. the 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 para who was also in the special forces, um, yeah support group. Yeah, he's very open and honest about his life, uh, particularly on Instagram. And I just took a note. Uh, it's not that i am not honest. It's just I've never really known what to put on Instagram because it's not. It's it's only starting to become my thing because of the podcast, right? Yeah. And when I saw that, actually. You, you can get some real good engagement with people by just being honest about yourself and yeah. your story and stuff. And I wanted people to know, you know, you don't need to take steroids to feel good about yourself. And in mm-hmm. fact, it, it actually has the complete, complete opposite effect in, 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 for my experience, I can't talk about other people, although I've, I've got a good sort of idea of it, but, um, You've never been down that route as a fighter. Is it is it is that big in the fight game? Um I don't know if it's big or not. I mean people say it is. I
1: don't I don't really know in the UK. I mean, look, I've trained at a lot of gyms, you know. I've trained and I've been I've been like um I'm, I've had three gyms that I've trained at nonstop, you know, I've been part of the teams and that. And I, I can't say I've really ever Known about it in any of them situations, um, people taking steroids or performance enhancing drugs or whatever. They, I mean, of course there is, and there will be in, in around the UK um, and Europe scene. So. The thing is, to, like to go off on a little tangent about the, the sport of MMA, in particular, the UFC tests quite heavily for it now. So if you're in the UFC, you, you're not gonna, you can't, you can't take any performance enhancing drugs now, unless maybe. There's some guys out there who've got doctors that know how to navigate the way through and pass the tests. I've got no idea, but I'm sure there will be those people. But my point is, if you're a UK MMA fighter or any MMA fighter and you want to get to the, to the UFC, you want to get to the best level in the sport, but well, when you get there, you're going to get tested. So if you've been taking steroids all the way up and then you get there now you have to come off them, it's, it's going to be counterproductive anyway because that's yeah. not who you are. That's not going to be your performance. And now you're at the best level and you're not going to be performing the way you thought you could. I think... So, uh, it's quite pointless. My, my gym in particular, I, I, there's absolute zero tolerance on that sort of I thing.
0: I think um, in MMA, it would be obvious if someone was on steroids because they just look... Most MMA fighters seem really athletic, you know, not n- nicely muscular, which I think is, you know, a good way to be. They're not just bloated
2: yeah I think as well I think
1: like you touched on earlier about um, steroids and performance enhancing drugs having a a negative effect on people's minds And from what I've seen over the years is that everyone who takes that sort of thing yeah they get big quick and and they feel good and they're all really aggressive and stuff but then a few months down the line they start to crash you know the, the natural production of testosterone and these hormones that keep us stable plummets and goes down and then all the problems start occurring. So I think as an MMA fighter, that's a dangerous game to play because your mindset and and the mental game is just as big as the physical game and if you've you've taken something to to enhance your physical performance but it's putting a negative effect on your mental performance, to me, it's insanity. Um, Plus, mate, just life in general, you know, if, you're not gonna have a happy life if you're taking that shit. You know, you're not gonna have a happy life. You are gonna feel low on testosterone, depressed, or unsure, uncertain of yourself. And uncertain of yourself is a big one as well. And I think just your general, everyday, today, life's gonna to be um, affected by that sort of stuff. So, for me, if an MMA fighter is using steroids or performance-enhancing drugs, it's it's a bit of a I don't know. It's not some of it's not some of that 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 i think makes a lot of sense personally
0: hmm. so let's go back to your military career then because then we can build up to you, to your fighting which is um yeah yeah i'm fast i'm fascinated to hear about that you're the first person i've really met um other than my friend the poet sp Howarth, who's he's done a bit of uh he does the jujitsu and the the krav and all this kind of stuff i think he did it he he joined one of these courses where you do a certain amount of training, then you go in the cage. I, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I won't pretend. Yeah, I well,
1: we actually run a similar program called Wimp to Warrior. Um, it started over in Australia by a gentleman called Richie Trani. Richie, hello. Um, and it's now a worldwide organization, Wimp to Warrior. And it's a very similar thing where people come up with no experience and we train them for a certain amount of time and then they fight. The difference with Wimps Warrior, against, uh, rather than most of the other organisations that I've seen, you know, there might be others out there that, that are better. But with Wimps Warrior, it's not a case of just a quick six-week training camp. It's six months training camp with Wimps Warrior. They come to train with us at 6am, five days a week, Monday to Friday for an hour and a half. And we do MMA every single day, five days a week for six months. They also do strength and conditioning on top of that and they're coming in doing pads. So these guys come from no experience whatsoever and they go for six months in a constant training camp, non-stop, I'm talking strength and conditioning three days a week, jiu-jitsu two days a week, striking, sparring, it's a full pro, you've got a nutritionalist. Um, and then when we put the fight night on, you know, at the end of it, it's like a thousand seat, it was a big deal. Big sure we try and make them feel like professional fighters. You know, we make sure that they get that full. They've had they, they've put the work in. They've had the full professional training camp, and on fight night, we make sure they have the full professional fight night mm. feeling. But uh, wip to warrior program, particularly, it is it, it's about it's not about winning and losing. Although you know, on fight night, everybody wants to win. It's more about the journey and and, and the fact that people come from having no experience whatsoever. And most of the people who come, maybe they've suffered from anxiety or they want to change their life in a certain way or they've got some certain habits they want to get out to or they just need a little bit of guidance or leadership. Most of the people who come to it come to it with some kind of reason that, that, that you know, a reason. They don't just do it because they fancy doing it. They do it because they've got an actual specific purpose. And I, I really love it. I really love the programme. It's, uh, it's fascinating. We have, We've had... 50, a fifty three year old woman and a fifty four year old man compete on it so uh you know pretty amazing they came from scratch and then six months later we fought in front of a thousand people
0: mm. it's really funny you say that because I'm fifty now, and like i I don't think of that as like old
2: <laughs> yeah 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 exactly you know
0: yeah. i mean i did um I did a four iron men when i for my fiftieth birthday. You know, four Iron Men like in at the same time. What? Yeah. So I. So sorry to the people listening. I know. i It always sounds like I'm blowing my own trumpet. I. I. I probably am a bit. But that's insane, mate. It's more that I just want people to know. You know, you've got to throw off life's conditioning and life's shackles. Otherwise, you're never going to live your dream. So, mm-hmm. having come last in my first ever triathlon. I decided 8 weeks later to do a quadruple ironman so I swam 9 miles it was a quadruple ironman distance triathlon because I didn't swim in the sea because I couldn't get boat cover so I did it in a in a saltwater outdoor swimming pool very cold uh, that. it so it's was a 9 9 mile swim 450 mile bike ride and then I uh, 108 mile non-stop run.
1: <laughs> Jesus, that is insane.
0: Well, it is when you think the 30 mile is pretty ninja. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So like, I just wanted to show like, it's up, you know, the only barriers are in, in, in your mind. And age is obviously not a barrier. Cause it, I, 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 I find things easier now than I did when I was a commando, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot easier because my mind's in a different place which it yeah. should it should be after 30 years right yeah, well
1: yeah exactly you've got that experience under your belt why not use it you know one of my favourite quotes is by Bruce Lee he says knowing is not enough we must apply so <laughs> you know what I mean if you've got that 30 years of experience under your belt what's the point in it if you're not going to apply it to summer you know and you've clearly done that with the marathon or with the four marathons
0: I'd, I'd like to I'd That'd love to hear Bruce Lee say that in a nor- northern accent. <laughs> 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 That'd be spot on. Is it, I'm just trying to pin your accent. It's it it Rochdale. Ah, uh, okay. How far is Rochdale from Manchester, roughly? Um. It, well,
1: it's just on the on the out- outskirts of the M60, so it's three miles
0: to uh. the city centre, maybe. Okay. Do you remember Lisa Stansfield? Is that a name? That
1: yeah, she's from Rochdale.
0: Yeah, because back in the day, everyone used to ping her as Manchester, and and she'd say, "I'm Lisa Stansfield from Rochdale." Just <laughs> like that. That that's not the Rochdale <laughs> accent, but no, I was trying to ping it because um, you sound a bit like my 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 friend Lee, um, and also. Peter Kay, do you get told that a lot? But yeah, was it? I think he's from Bolton, isn't it? So that's a little bit more Lancashire way, you know. But Yeah, <laughs> it's that. It's a similar. It's not far. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, let's go back to the to you joining up then. How was Limpston? Disgusting. Full of bloody, <laughs> full of shandy drinking southerners.
2: Yeah. No, man. Uh, I think.
1: Your first day at Limston, for anybody, is a huge culture shock. You, you go down there with all these expectations, don't you? You've, you've watched all the... Uh, you've read all the glossy magazines about Roman in commandos and what you're going to do in basic training, how awesome you're going to be and how much of a badass you're going to be and all the hard training you're going to learn. But you just don't expect, when you get down there, it, it to be... I suppose it's the same as anything, right? You, you, you see... What people see is... The, uh, the achievement don't you see the Green Beret you see the steely-eyed killer with a gun in his hand who can run 30 miles and all that but you don't see all the shit that it's took him to get there you know um, and, that, and I think that's the thing with Limpston you, you get there with all these ideas about how cool you're going to be and how good marine training is going to be and you get there and you realise it's 99% grind and uh, you know getting shouted at and physically and mentally draining um until you until you until you've done it until you you're looking
0: back on it and you're thinking jesus i actually did that you know um, mate they comes there's, the, shock. there's no shouting anymore i was up there uh, not long back they don't shout anymore it's um quite an eye opener but it, um what, we went there for our 30 year reunion you know and we stood there watching the bottom field. And it's like the lads are finishing their fireman's carry and then they're all hugging. Which I'm I'm, I'm all for that. I think it's great. But in my day, if you turn around and hug your oppo, it, it, they'd think something was wrong with you, you know? <laughs> yeah, you'd probably get winded, wouldn't you? <laughs> and, the, and the PTI is kind of like, Okay, fellas, Right next, we're gonna climb the rope. In my day, it's right, fellas, thirty foot. Yeah, it was. It was all like, duh, duh, but, but for people uh, listening or watching, it it was never. It was very rarely like abusive shouting just for the sake. No, same. yeah. Not what what um, I mean, it was never this. T- to me, that was more like the army that got shouted at all the time. Just shouted at, like like you're a ab- yeah, like you're a piece of shit. And in the Marines, it was a bit more sort of respectful until they had to pretend you'd done something wrong or they had to find something you'd done wrong so they could beast you. And then, and then they'd put on the shouting. And, but a lot of it was just a... I like to think a lot of it was a game, right? Yeah, I mean, well, from my experience as a PTI,
2: you do... Uh, with, with different recruit troops, you, you, you try
1: and find your the best way of communicating with that troop and, and the best way of what what they respond to. Now, obviously, we're training for the military. We're training to recruits to go to war. We're not we're not training uh, we're not just going to the gym to get fit and lose weight and post pictures on Instagram. You know, <laughs> we're, we're training young men to go essentially to fly halfway across the world and kill people. That's what you're training for. You know, as, as breaking it down. So there is always going to be that aspect where you need that physical and mental robustness, where you can be screamed and shouted at without taking it personally. Because when we scream and shout as a PTI, we're just trying to enforce a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. That's all we're trying to do, you know, trying to get people to do things that they don't. Fit, you know, when you're telling someone to climb a thirty-foot rope with thirty pounds on the back, and they're already physically exhausted, and it's pouring down with rain, and it, and the wind's blowing the rope sideways. And they're looking up thinking, I'm going to die on that thing. They don't want to climb that. So you've got to find the words and you've got to find the, the tone of voice. You've you just got to find a connection with them that will actually make them want to do that and respond.
0: Uh, did, you, um, did, you, did you make any of the recruits climb the ropes uh, without the, using their legs w- with the kit on? Yeah, I mean, we we do different methods with different
1: people depending on whereabouts or what would benefit them the most in training. You, you'd have some absolute beasts that you can send up the ropes with kit and just arms all the rope climbs. But then you'll get some younger recruits or maybe they're a bit weaker and there's no point trying to get them to do it because they physically can't do it. and They're going to get an easy training session out of it because if they can't do it, they can't do it. you know. So other times I, I think I'm, you've got to be creative thinking of right how can I make this guy you know how can I give him something A is gonna benefit and make him fitter B is gonna make him like reach the standards that we require but C I need to see this guy put some work in man. I need to really hmm. see this guy bite you know grip down on his teeth and see what he's made of. It's so it's, it's a creative pro it's a, it's a sadistic
0: creative process. It's just funny you say beast because uh when we're in training, the P, PTI says, right, we went up the ropes in full kit and and rifle. They said, right, up with no legs. So that's just your arms. And about four of us managed to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we got down. He went, right, who can go again? So I, I think there was probably just two of us then could could go up it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think beast is um. That's that's the word I'd use for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I never yeah. thought I never thought myself as a beast in training. I I thought I just sort of scraped through on everything. Yeah. Um, Apart from the rock climbs. Yeah. Well, I did get PT superior, but I I'm not good at taking praise. I just think it's people being nice, and like I don't really deserve it. So I don't really. You know, it's kind of a bit of a character yeah, mate, trait. I'm
1: quite similar with that. Like, I'm not good. I can't accept presents. If someone gives me a present, I'm just like, I'm the, the most awkward present receiver ever. I love giving people presents, but I'm terrible. Or receiving, um, what's the word, compliments of people. I'm just like, yeah, nice one. Let's move on, <laughs> you know. Uh, because <laughs> for me, as well, again going off on a tangent, but on, on them kind of things like when people are giving you a compliments, maybe I'm more interested in the process than than the result. You know, so if someone gives me a pat on the back for like winning a fight, I find it hard to accept because I'm not really interested in the result. I'm, I'm in, I, what interests me is the journey on the way the 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 work that's been put in, like we were talking about earlier, not the, not the peak of the iceberg, all the stuff that sit on the water. That's what, if someone came to me and said, you know what, steps I've seen you training for the last six months and this, that and the other, I, then I'd be like, oh, thanks, man. But
0: I, I can't really accept praise for achievements. Do you get did you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, massively. The thing hey, that, do, you know, do you want to know an interesting thing? Is, like, well, if it's we, interesting, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's it's my interest, in, so it's probably quite, quite <laughs> freaking boring. Um, but, like, Don't do worry, it. it's boring, be.
1: I'll give it your boot neck. Boring!
0: <laughs> well, I've just started uh, Taekwondo. All right. Really yeah, good. yeah. Well, it's a slight exaggeration. It's It's like my son has started it. But I do go and watch him, so I'm kind of... You know, I kind of training, yeah. training train my mind first. You know. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, get on so, the mats. <laughs> it's it's really it's really great. I, I I'm I said to my partner when 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 our lab was just a baby. You know, I want him to start training as soon as as he's allowed, which was four. Um, because I want him to be able to go through school and not get bullied. Yeah. And I've seen what happens to people that get bullied. You meet them as adults and they're still, they're still traumatized by it. You know, it still controls their thinking the way they feel about themselves, their self-confidence and all this. And, Mm. you know, and I, I, um, I wanted him to, I did a bit of judo, you see, in comprehensive. Great spot. And I was a stroppy guy anyway. If you not, 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 not unwantedly, but if you tried to pick on me, I'd let it go a little bit, and I'd let it go a bit more, and then the third time, I'd just, I'd just lash out, you know. And and that was my saving grace, really, because I was quite small. I was from a broken home, and those kind of characters tend to be the ones that get picked on, right? So yeah. I was like like that, but then I did a bit of judo, and blimmin hell. I only did a year but you can't help. It's so easy to take someone off balance if you just knew, yeah. you know, a bit of Uchi Judo's and Judo's a fantastic
1: sport. It's a brilliant sport, especially for kids. One of the things I like about Judo for kids is the, the, the core strength and the, um, I've lost my what the word is now, um, Like the balance and coordination aspect of it. It takes a lot of coordination to be able to turn your back and throw somebody a lot of timing. And I think those are are skills that if you get your kids into it, they can transfer them skills to any sport then. Mm. I think judo, wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, all them grappling arts, I I think they're amazing for kids. My son Jensen, he he does Brazilian jiu-jitsu with me. You know, we train twice a week. Uh, We have about 50 kids on the programme. And I I absolutely love teaching them, man. You you see week-to-week progress. And even if the progress is minuscule, I just love teaching them kids the the martial arts, man. It's it's just a great, like you say, it's a great thing for them mentally to be able to have the confidence to go anywhere they want in life and, and not be afraid, but physically as well. Though just those little things that they can then apply on in other sports. I, yeah, I love it, man.
0: So yeah, I'm I'm as much as I am full of admiration for anyone doing a kind of MMA or or whatever it is, Krav Maga, Jiu Jitsu. The thing with me is. I I love I love my running so much. Yeah. I don't I'm not out like all the time but when I do run I I love it and and I've obviously well I mean I ran the length of the country so it's 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 just a great thing in my life and it always has been like a leveler. And what for you do you do you run more to Obviously, you're getting fit while you run, but do you do it more for like a,
1: a clear your mind and, and, and that sort of thing? Or do you do it more for the fitness benefits? I just,
0: I just do it because... Just do it. I, I never, you know, other than taking drugs, which obviously is something I'm, um, I've am I'm worked a lot of my life to put behind me, to put the addiction behind me. It's It's the only thing that makes me feel like really like me you know good at, I'm not saying I feel bad me, it's not it's nothing like that it's no, like it's like life you sort of cruise on through you do your thing you try and stay happy and da da, da, da. but then the odd thing like surfing is another thing it's just mm-hmm. so it's just so good you know it's just yeah. so so good and and the running you know you put your headphones on the sun you take your shirt off because the sun's beating down and you just run and 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 that sense of satisfaction when you finish and all the, the chemicals in your brain are flowing around. Yeah. Again, that, that that that's kind of what we were talking about
1: twice now, about the the the, the process of things, the journey of things rather than the achievement that mm. what you're enjoying there on that run is is, is, is what you've done. It's is, do you get what I mean? It, mm. it's not that you've ran three miles and ticked it off. It's every footstep that you've enjoyed, yeah. isn't it? It's every deep breath that you've enjoyed. It's that exhaustion at the end of it that's, that's, that's the thing that you're, that you're searching for. You're not searching for 10 miles done, ticking box. You're searching for that whole thing. Yeah. Which, well, that's what martial arts is to me. That's what martial arts... When I'm on the mats, when I'm doing jiu-jitsu, grappling, wrestling, MMA, whatever it is, and when I'm coaching, that's when I feel like I'm... I'm like That's when I'm, I feel that like my personality is at its best. Or I'm, I'm able to be me the most, you know, because that's what I love doing. If you shut me in a room and tell me to grapple for six six weeks during isolation,
0: we won't have a 10 minute break. I just love it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Brilliant. I love it when I meet people that love what they do. It's, um, yeah. you know, I, it took me a long time in life to find something that I was good at and that I liked doing. It kind of started with my writing. You know, having a job is just. Nah, nah, not. That's yeah. just not for me, not. Not you know. I just. There's being told what to do by someone who's just not. Who's seen like that much of the world when you you've been around. Yeah. I, I but, think
1: that's when I, when I left the Marines as well. I actually said to myself, "I'm never going to have a job with someone as a you know someone's my boss. That's never going to happen. I'm always going to be my own boss. I'm always going to find my own way. Uh, and like you say, that that's a big part of it is that getting told by someone who's seen this much of the world, but has got a couple of certificates in their hand, what to do. And I'm thinking, nah, yeah, it's just not me. I couldn't do
0: that. Uh, yeah. I think- it's not that, um, for people listening, it's not that you can't be a good boss with, with a certificate. It's not about that. It's just, no. it's the way the modern workplace is set up. It sets everybody up to be a little Hitler and a little creep and a little backstabber. It's it's the pressure, you know. Your your boss will go. I'm only following the rules. It's and well, if everybody says that, that this is just a shit show, then isn't it? You know. Well, also, I'm, I'm a big fan of like lifestyle design. So, like
1: designing your lifestyle to look like it won't. Most people just focus on getting a job, and then whatever that job is, they kind of all oh, right, nine to five. They mold the lifestyle around the job, and then they hate the job. So then, therefore, they must hate a lot of aspects of their lifestyle. Uh, I, I try and look at the opposite way. I try and look at my lifestyle, how I want my life to look, who I want to spend the time with, what what I want to do day to day, and then build what I do in that day around that. You know, I, I can't even use the word job when I'm describing it. It's not a job. It's, 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 what, it's just what I do. You know, if people say to me, what do you do for a job? I don't really have a job. I just
0: I live my life for martial arts and that's it you know yeah it, when you can get when you can hop out of bed at four or five in the morning every single morning of the year including christmas day that's that's when you know you love what you do and it? it's just that simple yeah. it's that simple um yeah the thing i was going to say is as much as i'd love to get into martial arts because it's quite a cool hobby right sport um yeah it, it's i i I ripped both the um cartilages in my knees doing it. Um what's it called? The 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 bit in your side of your knee the meniscus. Meniscus. Yeah, meniscus, yeah. I was mucking around with well not mucking around. I was fighting with a, a my good friend, uh, S. P. Howarth, and we were on a stag do and we'd had a few beers, right? Which is a stupid time to do anything like that.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. A minute ago, you said you were doing martial arts. This has just turned into a drunken pub brawl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, in fairness, it's my boy is doing the taekwondo, right? But we he, we were kneeling, facing each other, and he went, "Go like that." And I was, I wasn't even, I, I'm, I wasn't even going to try. I'm a bit like, i I'm, I'm, I did all that thirty years ago. You know, I'm not and. And in that moment, he just grabbed me and pushed me backwards. Both my knees tore. Uh, Nightmare. And everyone was telling me, Chris, you need operation. You know, they will never heal. But what they do is that the surgeon will grind down the rough bits and it will take the pain away. Well, no, they healed. You know, I stick to my alkaline, mainly plant-based diet. I, you know, think positively. i Exercise when I can, and um, yeah, I ran, I, I ran 108 miles
1: on two broken and, meniscus.
0: On two broken meniscus, and and I've been and now now they don't even hurt at all, you know. So um, yeah. just just point that out to people because we're always told we got to go to the doctor and it's got to be medicine and it's got to be hospital and operation and and I think a lot of it, if you bide your time and you just do the right treat yourself right it's um yeah.
2: not necessary.
1: Well mate, i'm again I'm a big believer in that myself. I try not to take any medicines or any medications if, if I can get away with it. I think um medicating a problem should always be the last like the last um option. Mm. We we you know a lot of people have got mental health issues as well that that are getting medication thrown at them left, right and centre. I'm not a doctor, mate, you know, believe it or not, but I, don't, I just don't believe in that. I believe in, uh, I think that's masking a problem, putting a plaster over a problem. I think you've got to look, look a lot deeper and fix the root of the problem rather than put a plaster over it. So,
0: Mate, you, don't have, you don't have to be a doctor these days. I'll tell you why, because they don't have the answers but people like you and I can go on the internet because we care about ourselves. We care about life. We care about the people that we're training or we're life coaching. And your job is, you know, as much a life coach, isn't it? As a, as a, as a fighter. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we can find that information. Much of it comes from like Eastern philosophy. Cause those guys have been doing this for thousands of years. They don't, you know, they don't go to doctors and GPs and, get their 15 minute in a surgery right so i i don't think we have to make any apologies um doctors have been trained in a certain way they they some of them are magnificent um yeah but, we obviously but, need doctors we
1: obviously need doctors we, we i mean especially what's going on right now we need the nhs we need doctors um but i, I believe that that should be the last port call rather than the first port call most people or a lot of people get ill with whatever illness it may be and the first thing you should call the doctor for me you should be living a healthy lifestyle before any of that you know trying to stay fit trying to stay healthy I don't mean you have to go to the gym and beast yourself every day but just live healthy live you know live a health healthy lifestyle try and stay fit try and uh, do practice things that help you, your mind stay those things should be going on all the time i think um contacting a doctor should always be the last resort rather than the first resort and that's the only problem with it there's, there's some doctors are doctors are amazing you know they've done seven years of training to be a doctor and they've got amazing knowledge i think we should use them as a last resort and not and not kind of overcrowd them with stuff that we could be dealing
0: with just by living a better lifestyle healthier yeah. lifestyle Te- tell me um what was what commander test was your nemesis or did you did you breeze them? No, I didn't breeze, I found them all. I, I was one of them that uh I started basic training.
2: Um I was seventeen, so I was kind of the second
1: half of the pack. And then as the weeks went by I got fitter and fitter and fitter and I climbed towards like the top of the pack, so maybe I was in the top four or five fittest. And then because of my age and everything and and then I just oh, I just hit that peak and started by the time I hit commando tests. I was, uh, I was, my body was in bits. So I, I'd say I struggled on all the commando. I passed them all the first time, but I struggled on all of them. For one that I would say my, was my nemesis would be the endurance course. Uh, I just, every time I finished it, my ankles, knees, hips, lower back were in agony and I have no skin left on my elbows and knees. no, t- No toenails left uh, that for me was disgusting. And then when I decided to be a PTI, you end up doing it every Friday, as you know, as part of your training for like the last seven weeks or whatever it is. It's like, how did I do this?
2: Really? You know, In full? Yeah, day. you do.
1: Yeah, you do it every every Friday from um, about from about week ten onwards on the PT two's course. Well, we, we did anyway. Different courses will do different things, but yeah. Every Friday. Beautiful.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: God, Just yeah. to, to think about on the drive-off. Well, you definitely earn a beer then, don't you? Bloody hell. Yeah. 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 And um, so, commander unit?
1: So, when I passed out of basic training, I went to 4-2 commando uh, in Plymouth, for those that don't know. Um, spent, Spent about four years at 4-2 Commando, went to Northern Ireland with them, went to America with them a couple of times. Uh, I was on the 2003 invasion of Iraq with M Company, 4-2 Commando. Um, Great unit, absolutely brilliant unit, loved it there, then moved on to 40 Commando because we came back off leave and 40 Commando were going back out to Iraq and they needed volunteers, so I uh, stuck my hand up, went over to 40 Commando, Iraq with them, did another Norway tour with them, Senegal, did a lot of stuff at 40 Commando. Then it was my PTI's course, passed the PTI's course took so a couple of recruits through training and SFSG straight after that, so... Only and... What-
0: when you were in Iraq, were you on the this the Al Peninsula? That, the Al
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was on the. Um, I was with M Company on the initial invasion of the Alpha okay. Peninsula on, on day one. Yeah.
0: I don't want to. I don't want to say the guy's name in a podcast, but but I, if I just say Pete, was a corporal, got a very high gallantry medal. Uh, I just wondered if you. Knew yeah, a... I know what you mean yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, he's off, it? yeah, it was an Oppo Oppo of mine back in the d- well, still is an Oppo of mine. But you know, we were we were um, in the same unit back in the day. Yeah, excellent, nice one. Yeah, that was. Uh, what so would he have been at four two? Commando then? He, he might actually have been forty by then. I don't think he he ever went up to Scotland. Um, we were four two back in the day, so maybe I'm 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 he might have been with 40 I'm, I'm not sure um, nice. so, so what years would you have been at 40 oh I was there in 89 till 91 wow old school
1: yeah well I was still yeah. in school
0: say again I was still in school yeah well I mean <laughs> <laughs> mate it's would uh, I should have been. I mean, I wasn't, I don't think I've ever grown up, you know. It seems like yesterday. Um, The funny thing is, when I do podcasts with people my age, they can't remember anything. It's quite funny. I'm like, tell us about the commander test. They're like, I don't really remember them, Chris, to be honest. I'm like, really? (laughs) I remember it like it was yesterday, you know. I've I've got this kind of imprinted on my mind, really.
1: Yeah, I have, I am. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm. I'm quite good with recalling stories and memories and and, and uh, conversations I've had with people, which is a it's a good thing in one way because, you know, I can recall things pretty well and my memory's good like that. It's a bad thing in another way though because when when I think back of my my time in basic training the Marines, I still get them butterflies and nerves in my belly when I'm thinking about. Waking up in the mornings or thinking about being on the line ready for BT or on your spots in the in the gym,
2: it still gives me yeah. that
1: Yeah,
0: I remember that BFT blues and all that sort of stuff. God. So, did you say Afghanistan as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. And who did you go? With? Did you go there with SFSG? Yeah, I did. Yeah. But can we yeah. can we talk about that? Because I think people find. Yeah, you... I mean, <clears throat> oh, yeah, obviously.
1: There may be some subjects I've got to spear away from, uh, but yeah.
0: What, like when you wore women's clothes?
1: Yeah, when I was wearing high heels out in the desert.
0: <laughs> <laughs> only, Marines, <laughs> only, only, only Marines get get what we're going on about. Oh, oh you know, in a, a few attached ranks, but... <laughs> um, yeah, so... We're, you, they're based in Wales I think we're allowed to say that because that's in the public sphere um, yeah, down, yeah it's down in Wales yeah and there's no selection there's a sort of small selection is it yeah um, that,
1: again that that's one of the things I don't really think I should speak about to be honest because I don't really know what's going on currently and I don't know the current uh, climate of what the their OPSEC is like, so or that that's operational security for people. Yeah, in, yeah, you know.
2: we'll, we can so avoid I, that. I wouldn't,
1: yeah, I wouldn't really like to talk about that. What that kind of thing, but um, well, I I joined the unit in two thousand and nine, uh, and it was straight into beat up training for Afghanistan. So it it, it was brilliant. It was straight straight down there. Went straight, straight out to old man. For about five weeks, doing some mobility training over in the desert and in the mountains in Oman. Um, back from the straight on a few Gucci courses with um, a few of the other units that you, you, you that I've not worked with before. Got to learn a lot of skills that you wouldn't usually get to learn in the you know in the in the normal military or whatever whatever you call it. Um, and then it was straight out to Afghanistan. I've been at the unit about nine months I think ten months when we went to Afghanistan maybe a year tops um, great unit absolutely brilliant unit the the amalgamation of the Royal Marines and Paras of that unit while some people before you go there think it's going to be like uh, us against them it's just not at all I, I found it all the Paras that were there and all the Marines that were there were equally as professional everyone was a um, Just a big gang of alpha males. Everyone wants to be the best soldier they can be. You know, there's no one hiding in the background, trying to get away with doing the minimal they can do. Everyone was a professional soldier. Uh, I I thought it was a great unit, yeah. I loved every minute of it, though.
0: And how was it then going on an operational tour of Afghanistan? Because, well, let's just, you you know Josh, Josh Pelland, who I... Yeah, yeah. Spoke to just the other day, very, very nice man. Um, he just said, When I said to you, you know, can you tell us about a firefight? He was like, Which one? There was hundreds. <laughs> is it, is it like you know, is it full on, or was it full on? Should I say? Um, so I, I think, well, I think I was quite lucky,
1: right? Because I joined obviously when I joined in 2000, we went. We went into Iraq in 2003, so I was only, I think I was only still 19 or maybe just turned 20 when we went to Iraq. Um, so I've been exposed to to war and war zones from being a teenager, really. Um, so, whereas a lot of people, I suppose, if they were
2: in later on
1: in their careers or whatever, and they went to Afghanistan, it might have been like a big, again, a culture shock to them. But I, I had that experience from before. And then I went back to Iraq after then. I went on a few other operations as well. So when I was going to Afghanistan, it wasn't a huge culture shock to me. I'd, I'd already been and seen plenty of war, war zones. But Afghanistan was different, uh, much different. It was the threat of IEDs is, is that, that you know that had developed by the time I was getting there. It was pretty frightening, pretty. Pretty scary. The firefights you can deal with, you you you, you know, your firefights you train for firefights that, without trying to, without sounding like a warmonger or something, that's what you actually want when you go to, you know, as a young marine, you want to go to war and get in a firefight. You want to do what you've trained for. You want that. That was. I don't think that's the, the hardest part to deal with. I think the hardest part to deal with is the the IED threat. The, the never knowing where your enemy is because it's a three D or 360 degree battle space nowadays Nowadays, you can't tell if the, the man down the road is the enemy or, or or friendly forces or until you get there and speak to him you know uh, yeah I, one of the biggest things for me was obviously missing my family whilst i was over there and not knowing if you're going to get home to see him again uh, because my son was born when i had seven weeks left in afghanistan and I actually got home to see him be born and then went back. And, and those last seven weeks was like, you know, wondering if I'm wondering, am I going to see him again? Am I going to see my daughter again? My daughter was like four at the time. Those, those were the things that, that were on my mind more than anything else. Firefights were, you know, were.
0: It's a huge, I, 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 I get asked quite a lot by people, Chris, I've had, you know, I've got a baby or I've got this or my girlfriend's pregnant should I join the Marines? And I'm like, you want the honest answer? I said, well, well, did you have a dad? Yeah. Did you want him away nine months of the year? And they were like, all oh, right, Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it, it you can you imagine if you'd got blown up and your, uh, your, your unborn baby or your just born baby is now, and he's never going to know you, you know, it's no, I'm not trying to I think There's a
1: there's a playoff isn't there um, I definitely think like being in the military or especially the marines is kind of a young man's game you know the younger you are the, the easier it is because the less commitments you've got that kind of thing uh I also think there's a playoff because being away from your kids like that is obviously something that you're going to that, that, that it's a struggle tired being away from your kids You've got to put a lot of effort into make sure you come over see them as much as you can. Like I'd be home every single weekend. I never, I never spend a weekend on camp drinking or whatever. The lads, I'd always come home for the weekend, see my wife and kids. But also, it kind of that that time that I missed my kids and that time that I spent away from my family and stuff. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be who I, I mean. We wouldn't be speaking now. You know, if, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be who I am, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to teach them the things that I'm trying to teach them.
2: I sure. uh, wouldn't be able to
1: raise them in the way I'm raising them, so it is a catch twenty-two. It's yeah, I think you've got to put a lot of effort in to, to make sure the negative effects don't don't get you not
0: know, too too much, and is a lot that, of
1: effort on the positive effects are as as
0: much as you can use them for. It's a real tough one to to make such a selfless decision like that because I'm. I'm kind of in that boat in my mind now because I'd always wanted a crack at Everest, you know?
1: Yeah, mate,
0: same. You know,
1: I, I, I want to do this. I actually spoke to Ed Middleton about it recently. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I will come on. We'll come on to that. But, um, it's like, because I'm getting, you know, I've got a bit of an adventuring profile. I'm starting to meet a lot of people that have been climbers or they've been up. In fact, had, um, Kathy O'Dowd on the podcast, she's the first woman to submit Everest twice. Um and very yeah. And um what am I trying to say? Um it, I guess what the point I'm um uh alluding to is if I got offered the chance, yeah or if I could, I like, if I could fundraise the money would i go having a, a a young child now you know it it's that could, how could i could i live with saying no that it's not about me anymore it's about my kid or do we still have to do some of these things we feel we need to do
1: i i, I feel quite strongly about that um for me and i'm not saying everyone needs to agree with me on this by the way there's not a lot of people on but for me I I I don't want my kids to ever be scared of doing something, trying something, or having a new experience. So for me, if I, I want to keep doing experience, I want to keep going out and having adventures and all that. Not just for me to grow my personal experience, but because I want to set an example for them that you should get out there and should, you should try. I feel like if I was to sit back now and say, "Oh no, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying anything new. I'm not doing. I'm not. I'm not going to risk failing at or I'm not going to." take this risk or whatever i don't I don't like the message that I'd be sending to my kids because i, I want them to go out and, and see the world I want them to experience the world I want them to take risks and I want them to you know go and find themselves experience this this massive planet we live on so that there is obviously an aspect you've got to be you've got to have a little bit of intelligence about it and like you know if, am I going to go up everest right make sure it's with a, a, you know a reputable company. I've done all my training, my preparation, and all that stuff
0: in the place. Um, it's, it's just that thing, though, is to statistically death up there is quite high. Mm-hmm. And if, if you got hit by a, you know, a fall, falling ice or avalanche or you fell or, or you just got some high-altitude illness and couldn't get down – I'm then thinking of my little boy. No. His daddy, his daddy's gone. Yeah. And and why is his daddy gone? Well, I, I I don't want to say ego because I don't I don't know how much of it is ego and how much of it is no, it's on my bucket list and I really want, you know, I mean for,
2: for, for me personally, things like that are.
1: It's all about the advent or the experience for me, the things like that. Like like I was like I was saying earlier, I'm not really interested in achievements as such. If you get, I did a podcast a while back with um, it it, it's called the the Gentleman Badass Podcast, and it and it's about that. Like, it's about people who, who are trying to like you know live a family life, be a gentleman and stuff, and but at the same time go and do badass things. And um, we we, we were talking about this kind of thing on
2: there. Um, how do I explain? It's, so, when I first started opening the gym,
1: that's all I was thinking about: is I want a fight team, I want to champions, I want to be build winners, and this. I was thinking all about the achievement aspects of it at, at the start, and then the longer the gym's been going, and the more I've got to know myself and the people around me, and I've delved deep into my own mindset and what my own purpose. Is that I'm not really interested in those things anymore. They're great when they happen. It's brilliant when you when you get someone to a to a level where they can win a, a a fight and they come home with a British title or whatever. And obviously that's what we have there for essentially. But what what I'm more interested in what drives me is the the process of getting there, taking someone from a you know never knowing anything to getting them up to be a British champion or that kind of thing. And it's the same with this sort of stuff. You know, if if I was to go up Everest again, it wouldn't be anything. To, to me it, it wouldn't be it's not about the achievement or about being at say I, like Pete's everest it's about the challenge it's about the the experience i've learned along the way can you imagine the amount of experiences you'd have on the way of Everest can you imagine the the minute by minute experiences you'd be having um that's what it'd be about for me so it won't. I, I i want to there's a lot
2: of adventure things i want to do i try and do
1: stuff like you know as much adventure stuff as i can at the moment uh, there's a lot more I want to do but it's really not about the ego or, or even the achievement it's really about the, the experience and, and as it says the adventure yeah
0: yeah as, if you let your ego control your life you're on a you're on a very dodgy well you're going to be unhappy basically but
1: I think using what we do mixed martial arts as an example it's is a perfect example because you get a lot of young guys who want to do mixed martial arts because of ego because they see Cage fighting on TV, and they see that you know them guys must be tough or whatever, and and you'll get a lot of people do it for the ego because they want to be known as a cage fighter, tough guy, this, that, and the other. Those guys don't last. They they never get. I any mean, it's never those guys that go far in the sport. It's the people that just love every minute of it. They love every little experience. They're enjoying training. They, they're there for the experience. They're not there for the the gold medal at the end. You know, it's those guys that get better. The guys who are in it for ego, they never get any good. They never, they never go far in the sport. Stakes. I will be
0: doing a lot of things. Um, So, 50 Cow, that's it, one of your nicknames. Stakes and 50 Cow. Stakes, obviously, yeah. your surname. How did that come around? Well, so I used to, when I started doing the MMA, I was
1: training with, um, at a place called The Quantum Gym. Uh, and that was run by three bo- brothers. It was Dave Butlin. Oh, you just lost me. It was Dave Butlin, Ian Butlin, and Andy Butlin. Uh, and they all, all their nicknames. So Dave was Dave B fifty two Butlin, like a B fifty two bomber, because he had like a massive right hand. Ian was called Ian M sixteen Butlin, because he, he, he was like he was an ex pro boxer, and, he, uh, and mm-hmm. his, his hands were like an M sixteen machine gun. Then we had Max twelve gauge Thor. So it was like a bit of a common theme. Like all, all the, the the fighters from the team had nicknames around firearms for some reason. <laughs> but then, uh, obviously, when I when I joined the team, I was already in the military, and I was actually a fifty cal gunner. And I, you know, I just got back from Iraq, and it just fitted in. And everyone was like, oh, fifty cal."
0: And what then it uh, like firing I, that thing, then
2: firing the fifty cal, mm.
0: Deafening.
2: <laughs> mm. Excellent, bucket. Yeah, I love the fifty cal um, vehicle mounted
0: up on the top of that. We're you—you're rocking
1: the vehicle because it's got that much kickback in it. Yeah, great weapon, great bucket. So as long as you people, get the right ammunition.
0: For people listening, it—it's that huge machine gun that you see on the roof of vehicles, and it's fifty cal because it's a fifty, um, fifty caliber bullet that it fires, and it fires lots of them, and it's just pretty ferocious isn't it yeah
1: yeah yes yeah. What,
0: what will that round pe- can you get armour piercing rounds in normal ones or is it the same kind you of round get,
1: you can actually get API rounds which is an armour piercing incendiary round. so it will pierce the armour and when it's gone through it kicks white phosphorus out the back so anything that's sat inside that armour is getting down to crisp by white phosphorus which is which is always I've always found it amazing because it's illegal under the Geneva Convention to use white phosphorus to, to like blow people up with, but it's but it's legal to use in a bullet. I thought it's insane, but it's cool. They, they're, they're great to fire.
0: They had some weapons going off in in Iraq, didn't they? That nobody even knew what they were. They had um, they'd find casualties, so Iraqi fighters, and it was like they were dead. But they're perfectly intact. Um yeah, yeah, I've not heard about that. Yeah. There was a rumour that it's some sort of microwave te- technology that they were test testing out over there. Um it's yeah. in a it's in a film actually. It's in a film. Um oh. Back after it, just after Iraq, there was a wave of Iraq films, wasn't there, of stuff going yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, there was a, like a whole whole loads of releases and just in one of those films it was just a snippet where the guy's looking at these dead dead iraq and he's like and you could see that they were perfectly intact it was a bit 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 weird bizarre to say the least you know mm. but, um so let's come on to the fighting then have, have we covered afghanistan enough do you think or is there anything else that happened over there that that our viewers might find interesting?
2: Um, I mean,
0: it,
1: it's, it's a day by day thing. There's things happen every day that are, that are outside of the normal realms of normal reality.
0: Did um, did, you, did anyone get hit while you were over there? Yeah, yeah. We we, um, we
2: lost
1: we lost one of our team. Uh, like called Tomo, Um in an ied blast which was by far and wide my worst day in the military um yeah and i think a lot of the people in our team would would agree on that um it, it, his his vehicle went over an ied about three vehicles in front of mine and um, you know unfortunately he, he never made it
2: um it, it's it's not something
1: I really spoke about, or, or really want to get get into particular details of, because obviously respect for his family. Mm. Uh, but what I will say on that is that um, I think about him all the time, every day, and it, he's, he'll he'll be in me memory, you know, till till the day I leave this planet. Yeah, mm.
0: you were good, good. You were close friends, then. I mean, obviously, well, well,
1: Tomo. I, Tomo was someone I've met at the unit and I, I, I didn't know him before I joined the unit um, we met each other there obviously we did all our training together and then we went to Afghanistan together And you know what it's like when you're in places like Afghanistan you, you might know someone six or seven months but it's a fucking intense six or seven months you know you are relying on them people to, to keep you alive and you're doing the same for them um Sometimes it's not about how long you've known someone, is it? It's about
0: no, no. It's it, it, and things vary. I mean, I've met people doing this podcast, and literally in a space of talking for two hours. Yeah, it's like I know them better than many, yeah, people, yeah, yeah, many yeah. of the people I've known all my life. You know, it's if it, yeah. if, you, if you connect with someone, that's that's you know, that's yeah. that that that's like immediately you know. I'm- You've been and the experiences
1: you share together, eh? the experiences you share together, and obviously being in Afghanistan, we, we share a lot of it. Ex- crazy, and wild experiences together. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's he's someone, and he's someone. I try, I obviously try and keep his memory going as well. Uh, work as and when I can, you know. Um, it's always going to be with me. I've actually got a, a tattoo of a poppy on my shoulder, which is is one of him. One of them's for him. Uh, one of them's for uh, another close friend of mine, Mark Butch, um, who died in Afghanistan as well. I wasn't obviously, I wasn't with Butch at the time, but um, i so
0: Can Can you just not to talk talk about Tomo, but if you're in a vehicle that's three away from an IED, that did you feel the the shockwave? No, I, I didn't feel it. I think uh, I, I, I heard.
1: I mean, obviously, I heard it. I saw it. Uh, I wouldn't say I felt anything hit hit air vehicle or anything, but we
2: were going through the desert
1: at, at quite a decent speed, so it's a rocky environment anyway. Other people might have had an experience where, where they did feel that sort of thing, but I personally didn't. And sh- and straight away, because I was a vehicle commander at the time, I think even if I did feel that, I would have switched off to it and just focused on the, the task at hand, which was obviously dealing with the
2: IED blast. Um, yeah, pretty pretty intense day really, uh, we we um, obviously,
1: for the rest of the day, we kind of, we got helicopter cazovacs in and stuff like that, and then we secured the area, and we, we had some, it's a pretty, it's a pretty wild thing, you know, losing someone in, in a war zone, because you've still got to get up and crack on with what you were doing anyway,
2: mm. you
1: know, so, You've you've just lost a, a friend or whatever, a teammate, or someone who's important to you, and then you've just got to get up and you've got to crack on doing the same job you were just doing, or else you're going to lose more people. You know,
2: yeah. it's a very, it's a very, very strange kind of experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, we 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 had a guy shot dead in uh must. I, I'm I'm never. I'm, don't actually never actually work. I've never actually stopped to work out how far into our tour it was in but in in Belfast you know and he was yeah, shot, yeah. shot dead but it was in the first few weeks you know and um the CO or the the company commander gathered us all in and uh just did his you know the speech that you'd obviously expect from a commander right you know let's le- learn from this take on chin move on and as he said, move on. I was like already moved on. You know, it was it was um, yeah. There was no. There was never any kind of oh my god, the 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 games changed now. It was not like that. It's well, like, you know. To to touch on something we spoke
1: about earlier, I, I I do believe that that's a big thing why people do suffer from uh, like PTSD and mental health issues after like being at war because. While you're there, you don't have time to think about it or dissect it in your brain or try and work it out or piece it together or whatever. You just, like you say, you have just got to deal with the task at hand because you're going to have more casualties if you don't. And I think it's then when you come back in the in the years afterwards that you start piecing things back together and thinking about you know you have the actual time to let it all set in what, what's going on. I think that's when people struggle because for a lot of people they're not around the same people anymore. Maybe they've left the military or they've moved on to a different unit so they're not surrounded by the blokes that were there at the time. And then they're trying to, they're trying to like,
2: put it back together in rewind and it might be three years on since then and people struggle with that. Um,
1: It's it's a crazy thing, man. War
0: war, war teaches
1: you a lot about life, man. Mm.
0: Yeah, and if people... I've had just going back to the childhood thing if you're a traumatized person already which a lot of us who join the military we, it's because uh, you know uh, uh, the trauma we experienced had a lot to do with it you know if you've got a if you're trying to prove something to someone whether it's an absent parent or a parent that wasn't there for you or a you know or the fact you're just a product of a broken home so you're feeling all this insecurity and stuff so you want to join the military to prove yourself well you get taken care of in the military so you haven't got that shit to deal with when you're in the military when you leave suddenly you're back you're that person you know you've got all those stresses and stuff that you're trying to make sense of as a civilian facing the uphill hurdles in civvy street then of course you've got alcohol for sale on every street corner and everybody's doing it um and then of course At the same time, you're dealing with these traumatic memories of what you might have seen in conflict, and the the whole thing's a recipe for, well, you know, homelessness and suicide, and that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing at the moment. And it's good Mm. you know we can have chats like this because this is what's you know as sad as it is losing people in a war, it's sadder to lose them after the bloody war. Yeah, yeah, it is.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very sad occurrence. Yeah, I mean, well, well, losing
0: yeah. people, losing
1: people in the war, you can't, you kind of expect and you kind of accept as well, don't you? I mean, when you go to war, you don't, you don't accept that, you don't accept that you're going to lose one of your mates, but you accept that you might die. You know, I, I accepted, well, I might not come back from it. I never thought he might, but I thought I might. You know, um, so you kind of accept that. Uh, but when you get back, like you say, yeah, you think it's all done and dusted, and, and there is there is a massive issue at the moment with, uh, particularly at the moment with the, the post Afghanistan thing. All, you know, a lot of people who who were involved in Afghanistan have, have come back, and, are, and at the moment we're seeing a lot of issues with them. But we're seeing a lot of issues from people that have from well pre existing Afghanistan as well. From back, even back from as far back as the Falklands and stuff. Um, there's there's still people struggling for that so it it, it proves that there's an issue out there and it's a long term issue and it isn't going away and um, you know things need to be done about it if they can be
0: yeah I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about it at the moment I've just read a really really oh it's here actually definitely would recommend this to anyone who's struggling it's called Attack Panic this guy Sean Grant, I'm proud to say, he's a friend of mine. He's down there in New Zealand. And his kind of
2: philosophy is talking about stuff don't work. You
0: got you you got to address it uh from the sort of four main areas that he addresses the the kind of addressing the root cause of most sort of panic, anxiety based you know, trauma-based um, mental health conditions. Uh, I, won't, I, I won't go into it because it's—I'm still getting my, my head around it, and I don't want to say say the wrong thing. But it's really opened my—you know—he was a long-term sufferer of anxiety and extreme panic attacks, and he was a police top policeman. You know, mm-hmm. and he said he'd have to go into meetings in a full-on panic attack. And hold the meeting without anybody knowing I'm actually having i'm in trauma, yeah. you, know, you know i'm I'm completely in in trauma now and stuff but yeah i'm I'm just trying to learn as much as I can about it because um there's always a light at the end of the tunnel there just is you know anything that you can learn you can unlearn or um, mm-hmm. a- a- any mountain you can get over it and uh the uh yeah, I just want to learn so I can help more people. Really, and I, I yeah. do meet a lot of traumatized people. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about your fight career. Then you, uh, I'm only saying winning just to give our audience an idea of your sort of crowning glories and how much you've achieved. Not not because I think the, the winning is anything more than the journey. But can, can you just recap? to Tell us uh what what disciplines you've won um so
1: i i've been professional i've been competing as a professional mma fighter since uh i think 2007 um so on, on my on my way up I, I i obviously won a couple of the i won a couple of british titles on my way up um you know that kind of local level and regional titles as well um, I'd say my my two biggest achievements in mixed martial arts would be the um, eight man I won an international tournament called Cage Contenders Tournament where there was eight, eight men fighting over one night and obviously to win the competition you, you three you fight three fights in one night um, and I won that and then I'd say my other biggest achievement would be, be winning the Bama world title uh, which is one of the big or was one of the big organisations they've, 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 they've since sold out to, uh, to another organisation but that was one of the biggest organisations around at the time and uh, yeah I won the world title in 2015 those have probably been, been the two biggest achievements I'd say
2: as World a fighter, champion
1: as, in, as a fighter those are my biggest achievements but my biggest achievements in, in this sport is, is, is my students you know it's, it's the, the amount of people I get to coach every day and
2: and get to hopefully make make them into or
0: you know, put them in a position where they can achieve much more than I have. What what advice would you give then to anyone who wants to dip their toe in the water, but maybe they're a bit hesitant? Because let's be honest, it's wanting to fight doesn't exactly come natural. Well, to... yeah, I mean, and this is it's a good point that you make, and, and that that is something that I try
1: and. Uh, make sure everyone understands i love this sport right? i, I love mma mixed martial arts I, I, I love it all i do now when again when we first opened the gym my idea was to have a fight team you know and I, my idea was i I'd have a group of fighters there'd be 20 of us there we'd all want to fight but now i'm, I'm not I, I love coaching my fighters i love coaching my fighters but it's not the fact that they fight, that they are fighters, that makes me like coaching them. It's the fact that they're coachable that makes me love coaching them. It's the fact that they want to learn, and they're enjoying it, and that they're driven people, they're dedicated people. Those are the things that that that, that make me want to coach them or enjoy coaching them. All I'd say to anyone that wants to get involved in MMA is, do it for your reasons, right? So if you're if you want to do MMA to learn. To, to defend yourself that that's fine you don't have to be a fighter you know if you want to if you want to come and do MMA just as something to enjoy and meet a new group of people then then do it for that reason don't you don't have to be a fighter you don't have to do it and like tick the boxes of what, what everyone else expects oh you're doing MMA right when's your first fight you don't have to have a fight if you want to just do mixed martial arts and have I'd say 70% of the people who come on my classes do martial arts not to be a fighter. They are all all the reasons are differently, but maybe only 20 or 30% are actually fighters. So that moves me on to those that do want to be a fighter. If if you want to be a fighter, then prefer to dedicate your life to it. It's not going to be a five-year thing or a two or three-year thing. It's not going to be a six-week-on thing, then have a couple of months off thing. It's going to be a six days a week, twice twice a day, six days a week, every week of your life for the next twenty year thing. If you want to truly get as good as you can be, you know, it's not going to be a fast thing. It's going to take a long time. It's going to be a lot of hard work. And you've got to enjoy it. Bring us back to what we were speaking about earlier. You can't be doing it if it's for your ego that you you're doing it to be a cage fighter and be a tough guy. That's that's not a very good reason. That that reason or that, that purpose is not going to be enough to make you want to spar five five-minute rounds with the toughest guy in the gym every week. You know, If you're truly enjoying it and loving every minute of it and you're striving for that 1% improvement every day, that's going to be enough to get you doing them five five-minute rounds. That you know, You're going to want to do them five five-minute rounds. But if you're doing it just to be a tough guy or to get your picture on a poster or whatever, you're not going to want to do them five-minute rounds when this guy's pinning you down and throwing elbows. It's a different game. Yeah, all, all my, the, the the all I would say to people is: just do it for whatever, re, whatever you want to get out of it. Do it for that, and make sure you love it. Make sure you enjoy it.
0: I, and I want to ask you something that in, that I'm interested to hear the answer to. I, I love to sauna. Right? It's just it's one of the greatest things in my life. I do it every single morning with, without fail, <laughs> including Sunday. <laughs> Obviously, I can't do it at the minute because of the the lockdown, but that, that's that's cool so why is it that in mma they, they they think that sweat is losing weight when when you'd think sweat losing sweat is dehydration what what's the thing that's going on there? right so you've got, two, you've, got
1: you've got two different things you've got weight loss and then you've got weight cutting. So when, let's say you, I, I, I'll just use me as an example. So I, I fight at 70 kilograms, all right? My normal walking around weight's probably about 82, 83 kilograms, okay? So the first phase, maybe eight or 10 weeks, will be to get from 82 or 83 kilos to about 77 kilos because that's, when I'm about 77, 78, that's when I'm at my peak performance. That that's when I'm at my best. But I fight at 70 kilos. So the last aspect of it is what you call the weight cut. So that's when you're just cutting weight over a short term. To You're only doing it to make the weight on them scales. So maybe the last three or four days will be strict or, or very scientific procedure of how much salt intake, you're going to have how much water intake, you're going to have how much carbohydrates that kind of thing and the final thing is taking the water out of your body like you say through through sauna or through hot bathing now when we do that as you just alluded to you're not really it's not weight loss it's weight cutting you're just sucking that water out of your body so that you can get on the scales and you're a bit lighter as soon as you get off the scales you're putting that water back into your body so it's purely a thing about making weight now the next thing people ask is well why do I all do it why don't you just all fighting your natural weight class. And
2: the thing is with that is,
1: if I if I go into a fight and I'm fighting at my natural, if I was in my peak condition, as fit as I can be, I'd be about 77, 78 kilos. So if I weighed in at 77 or 78 kilos and I fought in that weight class, but the guy who I'm fighting against has cut 10 kilos in water weight, by the time we get back in the cage to fight, he's going to be 10 kilos heavier than me because he'll have put that weight back on by drinking water and rehydrating. So then by the time we compete, I'm going to have a massive weight disadvantage against this skilled mm. opponent. So it's a kind of Caps 22. It's because one person does it. We've all got to do it until they find a better method.
0: Yeah. Have uh, I heard that there's been a push by certain people to scrub round it because they're claiming that it's it's too much. It, there's some danger around doing it. or it's a
1: lot of danger. There's loads of danger in it. Nobody should sit in a sauna and lose 10% of their body weight within 12 hours. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. That is not a good thing. I've done it myself. I've got in the sauna and lost six kilos in, in the space of, you know, eight to 10 hours. It, it, it's not good. It's disgusting. You feel like you're going to die and you're probably on death door. So nobody should be doing it. But the problem is, because it's been—I mean, you think people of boxing have had the weigh-ins? Twenty—they've done the weigh-ins that way for for years, and, and MMA has been doing it for years. It's kind of a cultural thing. They're wrestling, do they it. Th-
2: there's a couple of problems.
1: What one way to solve the problem is for everyone to weigh in on the day of the, on the day of the competition,
2: of the day of the fight,
1: rather than the day before. But the problem with that is if you miss weight on the day of the fight. You can't have another chance to try and make weight, so there's going to be a lot of promotions that you'd see with a lot of high-profile fights that are worth a lot of money. That that then fights that get pulled off the card because people have maybe missed weight, mm. and then the people at home are not going to be happy because they paid pay-per-view money to watch a fight and, they, and it's cancelled because someone's not made weight. Them kind of things, and then you've got the other issue of when we at the moment we weigh in 24 hours before we fight so you've got 24 hours to rehydrate, so your brain and your body have got some degree where they've been able to, some degree of safety where you're allowed to rehydrate and stuff.
2: Uh, don't
1: get me wrong, it's not safe, but it's, it's, it's at least about 24 hours to get that damn fluid back in. Now, if you if you fight, if you weigh in and fight on the same day, the idea is that people won't cut weight, they'll have to just fight the natural weight. But, you'll still get some people that do cut weight and try and cheat the system. And those people will be dehydrating. Then they might only have a couple of hours before they compete, potentially take a hell of a lot of headshots and they'll be working off a brain that's dehydrated and gone through all that trauma. And I think there'd be a lot of injuries. Uh, I've not got an answer to it, if I'm honest. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have. Um, and I'd like to hear them and I'd like to see someone do something about it but uh, yeah there's a lot of questions around that
2: subject at the moment
0: Gosh yeah and um, is it you know do, do you get nervous before a fight is there a certain routine that you've got is there a certain mindset you have to put yourself through I, I I think mindset is a
2: constant thing so I think um, I think as a professional
1: fighter, you should be training your mindset in everything you do, every day, every aspect. So Walking the dogs, practice your focus. Stay off the phone. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think mindset is a constant is a constant thing that you should always be checking yourself on, especially if you want to be a professional fighter. Mm-hmm. Nerves, um, you know, you, you and, and a lot of people ask this: Do you get nerves before you fight? Yeah, everyone gets nerves. It's what you do with the nerves that, that's important. You let them overwhelm you and crush you and, and then you just freeze and you don't turn up. Or do you accept that nerves, accept that you're going to get them and then you, you try and put them into a positive line and try and use them. Uh, that's always the goal. There's some fights I've had where I've done that to a T. where I've come out of the fight and, I, and I've been like, again, I've not even been thinking about the like the fact that I've won the fight. I've been more happy with how i reacted of the way I performed, Mm. the way I dealt with my nerves or or the occasion or whatever. There's been other fights where I've not done that anywhere near as well as I would have liked to have done. Um, And that's what the journey is, isn't it? That's what the journey is, Mm. you know, trying to become better at performing. Because being good at MMA and and being good at performing are two different things. You meet loads of guys who are killers in the gym. They're great at sparring when there's no pressure on them or that. But then when you put them in a crowd or in a cage in front of a couple of thousand people, and it's live streamed and it's on TV and all that. It's a different ball game. A ball game. It's so much more aspect than performing on the night of competition is a, is a, is a much a much deeper thing than just being
0: good in the gym and being to tap a few bodies in the gym. People say to me, uh they say Chris, ha-, you know, if they're thinking about doing a marathon or they their names down to do a marathon or a or a ultra marathon they say how do I, chris how do i deal with the nerves right <laughs> and i always say mm-hmm. i always say if it's like a marathon i say well you, you don't have to get nervous till the till the what's it you don't you're not doing so, it till you're doing it right huh? i i say you don't have to get nervous till the 18th mile because that's what that's when it gets hard
2: and yeah I, yeah, but yeah i'm
0: yeah. i'm being deadly serious yeah
2: yeah
0: starting off on the start line of a marathon or a half marathon or an ultra it's easy there's no point being nervous because it's not difficult it's not you're literally being nervous you're being nervous in the days beforehand for nothing because there's nothing it's worth it you know if you want to be nervous think about when you get to like mile 21 then yeah okay that's hard but what I mean is, by the time you get there, obviously you're not nervous because you're in the bloody race, and it's just about finishing it then. But yeah, yeah. it's just a good little thing that um, it's just um, you know, I'm really lucky. Yeah. I never, never been when it comes to running, which is obviously my thing. I just don't get, don't. Get, I love it. I just can't wait to get on that start line and everyone's lined up and they're smiling and maybe got some music on. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not out there to win or anything. Like just for me, it's just taking part and stuff. Well, if you watch
1: MMA or boxing or any of the combat sports, and you watch the like the body language of of people before they start the competition, it's always those people that that you see that are that are soaking in the moment, that are enjoying it, that that are present in the moment. They're always the ones that seem to do well, mm. and and you notice other times you see people that are maybe looking at the crowd, and you can see they're getting a bit. Overwhelmed by it or whatever, they're not enjoying it, they're not embracing it, and they underperform. Um, So yeah, I'd say it's the same sort of thing in in um, in fighting. You know, you don't need to be nervous until you need to be nervous.
0: Yeah, get nervous when they hit you really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Good advice. What what's been going on with Conor McGregor then? What's your take on his kind of? It's become a bit of a circus, wasn't it? At one point. But do you get, well, we, do you get sick of people talking about him, is it? Because you know that's just like Los Angeles celebrity, and I mean,
1: look, I mean, look, Conor McGregor has done something for this sport that no one previously or since or since he's come about has has, has been able to do. Mm. He, he has catapulted this sport into the mainstream like nobody else, in it. and if it wasn't for Conor, I think over the last maybe three years we've seen. Uh, a big kind of wave in MMA a lot more people starting mixed martial arts and jiu um the events becoming a lot more professionally run and, and a lot better a lot more interest a lot more people watching it on TV and I think a lot of that is due to Conor McGregor his, his personality and the way he fights you know um,
2: and then the other thing is you've got to remember that this that, that this guy is yeah. So Connor's
1: got—he's uh, a—he's a double world champion. He's one of the best fighters ever to do it. But behind all that, he's still a young guy, and
2: um,
1: maybe he, he's not been lucky enough to to do the things that I did before I started MMA. I got twelve years in the military, and I got to experience life around the world. And and Connor's come up as all of us have, you know, he, or most people have. He, he's come up from. Maybe rough beginnings. He, he, he's got into the gym. He started training hard, and then all of a sudden, whack! It's in your face. is the most important famous man in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, I think people forget all that. He's, yeah, there might. There's maybe a lot of things that that have gone on recently that, or in in the last couple of years, that maybe have seemed like a bit of a circus, but. This guys he's still trying to work work things out in it,
0: you know. Yeah, of course. Get a couple of hundred
1: million pounds thrown at you and see, and see yeah. what it does. So I, well, hope,
0: you know? I, I hope it didn't sound like I'm just jumping on the... No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just, I'm just gen- genuinely kind of yeah. like interested because obviously, yeah. you know, it, it, is it like the trappings of celebrity or the, the drugs and the alcohol and this kind of stuff gets to a fighter and... And like you say, you know, when we're young, we make, you know, we, 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 we go down these paths that aren't, aren't necessarily good for us. But it's all, it's all uh, learning, of course. Yeah. Um, and,
1: and also, and also there's always, so there's always times on, things don't go in a straight line, do they? You don't start something and you go, right, I've started here, I want to get to it. And it just goes in that line. You start some of them. There's a little drop off, and there's a comeback, and there's a big And I mean, Conor got to be the double world champion of the UFC, the first person ever in the sports history to hold two titles at one time. Um, and then maybe he had a little bit of a drop off, and these these crazy antics were happening afterwards. But I think now he's view it, looking at the way he's communicating with the press and the way he's communicating now. I think he's he's got back on that track of, of yeah. realizing what what he wants to do. I mean, he looks like he's training purposefully again. He looks like he's training um, totally. He looks like he's totally dedicated again, and and I hope he is because he's he's such a well, he's a phenomenal athlete, and I think he's I think he's got a lot a lot of positive stuff that he can add to the world and to people, and especially the world of MMA which has been shown when when Conor McGregor first joined the UFC people were saying this guy's a pressure, breath of fresh air we just love his honesty we love the way he talks and stuff and I, and I think people forget that and mm-hmm. and hopefully now that's becoming to come back for him again mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think we're going to see uh, a couple of, a couple of years of Conor, of the best of Conor McGregor now that that's why as a fan of his that's why I hope to
0: see yeah can you explain states the was it the shoulder barge thing that uh, on on his, his last ass? fight? Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, he was using this the the, the 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 shoulder. So he
1: he came into a position where he was kind of in in a clinch with his opponent, uh, and and you'd be shoulder to shoulder. So what Connor was doing was pushing off a little bit with the shoulder, creating space, and then really using the ball in the clavicle to drive it into his opponent's face. Mm-hmm. It's something you don't often see and even when you do see it it's not usually um it's not usually done with the same kind of effects and power as connor did it he just he's got a, he's got a unique way of generating power that other people just just haven't got he's, he's definitely got his own unique style of generating power you see it in his left hand all the time when he lands that long left hand he's got power that people just have not experienced before and that shoulder barge, that shoulder shot that he was throwing was another uh, good example of that.
0: Yeah, a great shot, mm. great shot. States, is there anything you'd like to say before we bring this to a close? Is uh, any, any, do you, I mean, your social media links, all this, the name of your the name of your club. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And thank, thank first of all, thank yourself for the
1: opportunity. Thanks for giving me the goal to uh, come on this. I've I really enjoyed it as well, mate. I've actually really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit and having a spin a few dips there. Uh, social media wise catch us on Facebook or Instagram we've got SPG Rochdale it's just at SPG Rochdale and my own is stay at Stapes 50 Cal Um, if anyone wants to get me on the social media for more of
0: the same kind of stuff martial arts and marines (laughs) (laughs) right so stay on the line while I just um, say goodbye to everybody and then um, Got a couple of things that we can talk about af- afterward, or I'd like to talk about afterwards. Um, so, Stapes, thank you ever so much. You're, a, you're obviously you're an ambassador not just to your sport, but also to the Royal Marines. Thank and, you. Uh, and and you're inspiring people to to be the best they can be, isn't it? And that's that's what life is all about. I hope so, mate.
1: I hope, I'm still trying to do that. So if I can help other people do that, then yeah, I hope so.
0: Yeah. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in you know in the flesh as soon as possible. And maybe you can uh, teach me a few me's But I will warn you, I'm I'm pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we'll with do my, a bit.
0: Pretty hard with my broken knees and my dodgy shoulder, and <laughs> we'll get some rounds in. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And to our friends at home, thank you for watching another edition of the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. You guys are really helping me to knock this thing out of the park. So big love to you and your families. Thank you very much. Please, if you could drop us a a like on the video and subscribe, that will keep the whole show on the road. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris.Thrall. Thank you.